you could start it since you got all this shit to talk. I'm not talking shit at all. I'm no, you. I'm not. You are. No, I just. I, I want to know if you're gonna keep it real or not. Because if you're not gonna keep it real Bro, right now, I don't even want to talk about this. I keep it real seven days a week, 365 days a year. First of all, so, so if you're let's ke- get that out the way. So if you're keeping it real, is the best poker player that you know in real life in person on this podcast right now speaking? No. That's cap. absolutely not. That's absolute cap. <laughs> how how is that cap though? Joey. Ben. And it's not even that. You suck. Dude. How do I suck when my win rate against you is a hundred percent over the last ten months? It's definitely not one hundred percent. What is it? That's just 99? that's just pure cap. Ninety-eight? No. What is no. it? Then? Oh my god. Okay. So you know, we're, we're fantasy football players, DFS players, whatever. But we dabble into the poker scene quite a bit at Jared's house, former co-host of the podcast. And we've played, I think it's five tournaments at Jared's house ever since he moved in. Ben has won all five, so I'll, I'll give mm. Ben credit. He has won all five of the tournaments that we've played in poker. But just because someone goes on a winning streak doesn't mean they're better than the players they're playing against you know what i compared it to is eli manning eli manning won a ring against one of the most dominant teams in nfl history now does that make him the best quarterback in nfl history absolutely not eli manning for the most part of his career was an average quarterback you're eli manning variance is hitting you in the face you're running absolutely pure but you're not good you're not the best in our group i'm running pure you you are running pure if you consistently hit three outers four outers you are running above average above expectation that doesn't mean you're you're good you know you might have some skill but I don't think you're the most skilled player in the group who is <laughs> I mean I gotta give credit I think Jared is the most skilled but you know in the in the grand scheme of poker none of us are really that good you know if we're just looking at it from a world perspective we're bottom 20 20th 25th percentile in terms of poker players and skill but in our in our group I, I would definitely say Jared is number one and then you know it, it could be a toss-up depending on like what what you value in poker for the next couple of spots but I, I don't know Ben um, I, I just think you're running good maybe I am in denial and I said if you do win the next one I will admit that you know you are the best poker player in the group i don't know what the difference between winning you know five straight and six straight is to be honest with you it's, it's exactly the same to me but but you've just like i said you've just been running good hitting hands you know I, where you're behind like, what hands you're supposed hit, to though? lose what hands have i hit though you know when you think about it i mean I i'm not really, gonna go in when, depth. when you think about it i feel like we we all have been hitting hands at the same rate you know, it, it's just sometimes you got to know the, the people that you play with. And, and that's what it comes down to. I've got your number. All right. I've got you the number of everybody number. in this group. You've knocked me out one time and it was this last tournament when you got it in bad. You were behind and you sucked out and hit a six outer. I was barely behind. You were behind. Yeah, like 51, 49 percent behind. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. But that's neither here nor there. You suck at poker. Dude, the fact the fact of the matter is that you fucking suck at poker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Benny, Benny, Benny.
What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 153 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be catching up on one of the heaviest NFL news weeks that we've had in months. Training camps are opening across the league. Information is flowing. The NFL dead period has ended. And we're going to be taking a look at some of the biggest stories that are developing across the league and discuss their implications for fantasy. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. And if you'd like to, you can follow us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week in live stream on Mondays. Joey, before we get into this packed show, we've got yet another giveaway to announce for the people. Yeah, so we mentioned it on episode 152 that we were doing two giveaways, and then we ended up splitting them you know, in back-to-back weeks. So last week, it was a Twitter giveaway. Uh, Shout out to that guy for winning that. This week is a Discord giveaway where the only stipulation to be entered is to be a member of our Discord. We have about 25 members right now or so. So if you're interested in joining that, the link for that will be in the show notes down below, free to join. $50 Discord giveaway. Going to be a good time, so make sure you get in the Discord. We talk about best ball every day, talk about NFL news now that training camp is open, and then when the football season starts on September 9th, we will be talking about DFS literally every single day, Um, so make Mm -hmm. sure... You join the Discord. Yeah, some really sharp members. I mean, they put me on to news sometimes. Like, yeah, I really I really love the Discord, what it's becoming. So shout out to the community and, uh, yeah, get in there uh, if you haven't already. But, Joey, let's get into things. You know, enough dilly-dallying. We have a lot of news to cover. And, and let's start with everybody's favorite topic, you know, <laughs> the C word. Not c- but COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the reality that the 2020 season not being a one-off is starting to settle with people as much as we'd all like to sort of act like the pandemic is over. It's not, and that is prevalent even in the NFL, right? Lamar Jackson tested positive for COVID on Wednesday morning. Earlier in the week, the Colts head coach, Frank Reich, tested positive despite being vaccinated. Ron Rivera is in the media, you know, upset with the Washington football team for their low vaccination rates. Dak Prescott's dodging questions about whether or not he's vaxxed. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, adding the NFL, telling them he's not sure about his future in the league because of their new COVID policies. Cole Beasley is the face of the anti-vax movement in the (laughs) NFL. It's going to get messy. It's already messy. Joey, what are your thoughts on this situation? I'm sick of it. Mm-hmm. I'm over this whole vaccinated versus unvaccinated debate going around in the NFL. I just want the season to start already. I, I, honestly, I'm an individual where I believe that everybody has their own choices to make. And whether I agree or disagree, I respect that we live in the United States, a country where you are free to make whatever decision you want. So if you don't want to get the vaccine, you don't have to. And I'm vaccinated, right? So I chose to get it. But if somebody chooses not to get it, I frankly could give one fuck. Maybe that's just me as a person. Like, I really just focus on me. I tweeted this. The world would be so much better if everybody just focused on themselves and stopped ridiculing other people for making decisions in their life. And, you know, I get the whole argument. You know, it's not about you. It's about the other people. Like, yeah, I I understand that. And obviously, it, it is a good argument. But at the end of the day, if 
if you're against the vaccine, just don't get it. And personally, I, I don't know. I don't care. I mean, that, that, that could be the downfall of, of me and my career and, and trying to build this, this career in the fantasy football space, because I see a lot of people that are just consistently at Cole Beasley. And I'm like, dude, I, I, I really just, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just a piece of shit human being. <laughs> um, but I just believe everybody has their own choices to make. If they want to make those choices, you know, more power to them. I'm not going to say anything about it. All I know is that if they don't get vaccinated, it's just going to be hell on earth for them. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of like the policies or, or the rules, I should yeah. say, between vaccinated and unvaccinated players. Like it's crazy the the restrictions that have been put in place for the unvaccinated players. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I'm I'm just I'm just over it. Well, we're big on accountability, right? And and I personally. I'm a fan of of what the NFL is doing. You know, they they basically said that if, if it gets crazy with rescheduling games again, like it did at certain points last year, because of unvaccinated players contracting, you know, the disease or or spreading it to their teammates, etc., then the teams have to forfeit the games. I mean, right? I they're, agree. They're not going to bend over backwards, and I think that that is the way that it should be. Right? They, they should have did that last year. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, they should have. So so people who are like you know, oh, they're, they're forcing us to get the vaccine. They're really not. They're just making you be accountable for your choice. Like you said, it's their choice, but you should be accountable for that choice. And I, I like that aspect of it personally. Yeah. I know people are up in arms about it, but good, man. I mean, you know, how about some accountability? For sure. And I think what people fail to also recognize is that the NFL is a private business and private businesses can dictate or put protocols in place like they did to help protect you know players and coaching staffs where it's like all tier one coaching staff members have to get vaccinated and you know if you're unvaccinated you have to go through strict protocols and guidelines and you're going to get fined so people just don't understand the fact that they can do that you know it's well within their right in this country to do that and i i agree with them doing it and you know the players have to make that decision if they don't want to get vaccinated they have to potentially you know live with the fact that they might cost their team a win or two uh throughout mm -hmm. the season depending if there's an outbreak but yeah man i, I don't know i mean i i don't mind the protocols i mean like you said people have to be accountable the players have to be accountable for their actions but I also just don't agree with all of these fantasy analysts trying to ride the high horse and are consistently at players that speak out about it. Like, dude, I that's mean, nothing new. I mean, yeah, it, I I just truly hate those people. And <laughs> I, I don't use, I don't know. I'm I'm never going to be like that ever. And if I am, mm -hmm. just strike me down, please. Got you. Got you. <laughs> that shit pisses me off more than anything. People just can't have their own opinions anymore. You you literally can't. The last thing that I want to say about it is, is we saw last week that, that certain teams were cutting coaches or, or I should say firing coaches uh, because they refused to get vaccinated. No, you know, no head coaches, but assistant coaches on the Vikings, 
uh, on the Patriots got fired for their stance. And if NFL front offices are willing to part with coaches over this, I promise you that they are willing to part with players. Maybe not top tier players, maybe not DeAndre Hopkins, but you know, third, fourth string wide receivers, bro. Players are going to get cut over this. It's only a matter of time. I, I saw it today. Maybe, oh yeah, it was it was Cole Beasley. So Cole, Cole Beasley had a press conference after the Bills' first training camp practice, and he was talking about it where it's like players that are unvaccinated that might have you know had a chance in recent years without COVID aren't going to have a chance to to make the roster if they're not vaccinated like that that could be a breaking point for for teams if a player chooses not to get vaccinated and like you said they're like a fourth fifth string roster bubble type player that's a make or break thing for them mm-hmm. in, t- in 2021 is vaccination status so definitely going to be a factor players aren't going to make teams over it players are going to get cut because of it especially like you said if they're not superstar players i will say speaking about cole beasley i don't think he's going to get cut personally because he is i would say a solid slot wide receiver in the nfl i know he thinks he's the best but i mean that's just wrong <laughs> but yeah i don't i don't think he's going to get cut but we'll definitely see players lose their jobs because of it or not get the opportunities that they might once have had. Yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. I I would love to not have to talk about this anymore, but I I have a feeling that we're going to be talking about this well into the season. Let's get into some player-specific news, though, because there's a lot of it. Uh, Finally, Joey, the Aaron Rodgers saga has concluded. He has returned to Green Bay like we all knew he would. And and I'm just thrilled to not be talking about this anymore because this dragged on for an absurd amount of time. The drama, the pettiness, the attention that Aaron Rodgers was clearly soliciting. I'm just glad that this is over. Uh, Randall Cobb is back in Green Bay. I don't, I didn't really see that coming. Don't know what's up with that. It was part of the deal. I guess Rodgers wanted a friend. And he got that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers returning? I, I mean, I know that both of us were on the page that this was always going to happen. Yeah, I'm just glad that it's over and we don't have to hear more about it. It's kind of like the same thing with the vac- vaccinations and whatnot. Like, dude, who cares? I mean, we knew <laughs> Rodgers was going to return like three months ago, almost to the day on episode 142, which we released on May 27th. I personally said there was two options for Rodgers, you know, play for the Packers or retire. In his press conference today, July 28th, he said he contemplated retirement, but the fire is still there for him to go out, you know, win a championship, whatever. Ultimately, like you said, we both knew that he was going to play for Green Bay. So four conclusion i think from the whole start of this ordeal and i just feel like it was drawn out for no reason you know he was being kind of dramatic trying to make his point about how he needs to be included in decisions and he went on you know like a five to ten minute rant at his post training camp press conference today about how jake kumaro got cut when he was the second best wide receiver in camp and he just needs to be included in decisions like that so i mean i get where he was coming from but we all knew the outcome. Yeah. And, and let's face it. I mean, he loved being the center of attention. He loved being the, the talking point of every, you know, talk show. ESPN interviews, talk, show. talk shows, just doing the, doing the whole media carousel, going on vacation while his team is practicing. Headlines all offseason Aaron Rodgers was in. Tweeting out, yeah. you know, cryptic last dance pictures with Devontae yeah. Adams like, at the same on, exact dude. time. Like, bro, how old are you, man? Come on. He's a little teenage girl at heart. Like, dude. <laughs> Just say you're displeased and move on. Like, 
we, he we definitely get it. he definitely pissed off some Packers players. Like uh, one of their offensive linemen, David Bakhtiari, re- responded uh, after Ian Rappaport announced earlier in the week that you know sources close to Aaron Rodgers were aware that he'd be returning. And then Bakhtiari retweets it like, "I guess we're not that close because I don't know <laughs> shit." So it's like, you know, I I, don't, I think that he's uh, alienated some people on the Packers with this whole saga. But uh, you know, Rodgers is is no stranger to alienating people close to him. <laughs> yeah, his own family doesn't even like him, bro. Like, you got to be a different breed for your own family not to fuck with you. You know, turning the conversation back to fantasy where where it should be, Devontae Adams re-solidified as a first-round pick. I think that he should be either the first or second wide receiver off the board right in that tier with Tyreek Hill. He jumps over some of the players that, you know, consistently I think we're going ahead of him in ADP like Diggs, Hopkins, and Ridley. I think that he is now at the top of that tier where he started. But in terms of the ancillary players, what do you think? Does Randall Cobb's return impact this team? You know, the team extended Alan Lazard, MVS is still there, Amari Rogers. How do you see these ancillary pieces fitting in as Rogers returns? I think those guys are just going to be like rotational players. I think Cobb coming back does hurt Lazard and Amari Rogers a bit. MVS still has his role as like the deep threat in the offense, um, the burner. So I don't think his role gets impacted too much. But honestly, most of these guys are are just low floor, like low ceiling guys. I, I would put like all four of them in that category. Maybe not MVS. Like when he hits, you know, he he's hitting 30 plus because of the type of receiver he is. But I, I don't know. These guys aren't going to score much fantasy points I don't think it's Devontae Adams it's Aaron Jones and the rest you know if you got the five pick six pick discount on Devontae Adams shout out to you the farthest I've ever seen him fall was to the end of the second round like uh 212 so if you got that discount on him that's great but I do agree he's probably you know a first round pick again 110 111 range do you think that Aaron Jones is a first round pick I mean I've been drafting Aaron Jones in the first round since March. I think he's very similar to some of the some of the guys that are going in the first round in terms of touch upside and touchdown upside. So, still love Aaron Jones. Obviously, you don't have to draft him in the first round. You can get him in the second round, which I love, but let's be real, he probably should be a first round pick. So, he's going to be one of my higher owned running backs in 2021 in best ball. Yeah, I think you could definitely make the case that he should be drafted ahead of some of the players who are going above him, like Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, even Saquon Barkley with the potential workload uh, questions that we have around him, or at least in that same range. So Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, to me, re-solidified as first round picks. Let's move on to our next story here. Again, equally an exhausting story to cover, but it's starting to get strange with this Deshaun Watson stuff, stranger than it already has. Texans head coach David Culley flamed Watson today, saying that he was behind, saying he needed reps after missing off-season workouts. Obviously, the Texans and Watson are on very shaky terms, but the, the real weird aspect of this is that they had Watson playing snaps at safety and running back during practice, and as well as being the fourth-string quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, poverty franchise if there was one, it's the Houston Texans, right? Mm. Who knows what the hell they're doing over 
over there in Houston. Um, obviously, Deshaun Watson is there just so he doesn't get fined fifty thousand dollars per practice that he misses. Like I'm going if if you're gonna <laughs> find me that that much money. If I even if I hate the team, like I'm going to be at the practice. So he's probably there just cruising along. He really doesn't have much to work on. He's a top three quarterback in the NFL when healthy. Obviously he doesn't want to play for the Texans. So I feel like this is going to be a theme for the Texans training camp is just Watson doing stuff like this, playing safety, catching swing passes out of the backfield from Tyrod Taylor. Um <laughs> It's just he's just going to cruise through training camp. He's going to hope that a trade happens before the season starts so he can go play for a new team and be out on the field week one. Who knows if that will happen? I don't know. But the Texans are just a poverty franchise. And I honestly would project them to go 0-17. I'm not even joking. Even if Watson stays on the team and becomes a safety? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially (laughs) if that happens. 0-17. Clear cut. Like, I would bet the under on their win total, which I'm pretty sure is three and a half in 17 games. A 17-game season, so you get an extra game. Three and a half wins, I would literally bet the under. I'm not even trolling. I I would as well. I I absolutely (laughs) would as well. This is truly unfortunate for them. (laughs) Like, God, the, the three other teams in the AFC South, they just get two free wins this year. And probably for a couple years to come. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's the new AFC East. Another story that broke, uh, another impactful story that broke, I should say, is the Michael Thomas injury. You know, he he ended up getting his ankle cleaned up um, with a surgery recently and is expected to miss at least the first four to five weeks of the season with the Saints having a week six bye. I think that the realistic expectation would be a week seven return. And so my question is, how are you treating Michael Thomas right now in best ball? And, and does your approach differ as we you know approach redraft season yeah so i think my approach for best ball would just be specifically like i I would look at my team's roster construction and if i go wide receiver heavy early i don't think he is worth a pick at his adp and I, i think that's ultimately the question is where is his adp going to fall I've seen him go in the fifth round consistently in some of the drafts that I've done after his injury. And if he's going in the fifth round, I most likely won't take him there. I don't know, because this is obviously one of the more talented wide receivers in the NFL. He's still going to play a majority of the games in 2021, or at least that's what I would project. I I don't know, man. I think it's just personal preference, like how risky are you and you know do you want to take him as your wide receiver three or wide receiver four in best ball even if you do have to select him in the first five to six rounds it's all about your risk tolerance I think as a fantasy player so I tend to be a little bit more risky I would think and so I would maybe select him if I needed like a wide receiver three in the sixth round and I've been contemplating it but I, I could obviously see the reasons for a fade like you're you're gonna miss six weeks from this from this guy minimum right and and to just like assume he's gonna come back and be fully healthy after missing that much time who knows what the quarterback situation is gonna be it's like can you can you justify selecting him over the odell beckhams of the world you know robbie anderson Cortland sutton Devontae smith like these guys you know have a, a six game edge off rip on him so if we're playing on drafters for example where it's total points 
I personally think that he's undraftable. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that you're just giving up so much expected points uh, by selecting him over these players who we, you know, are at this point projecting to play full seasons or, or at least nearly that. I think there's some merit to selecting him on sites like underdog or in a typical redraft league where, you know, even if he misses, you know, an extended period of time, you could have him back fully healthy, you know, when it's playoff time, when the money's going to be made. So I think that there's, Mm -hmm. You know, some justifiable reasons to take him on underdog, to take him in redraft. But yeah, it's it's a format question to me. And like you said, I think it's a risk uh, tolerance question as well. Yeah. And for redraft specifically, I think he's probably the best pick there because obviously there's waivers. You have a bench. I think you can get away with missing Michael Thomas for the first six weeks of the season in redraft, especially if you're playing in a two wide receiver format. So yeah, I think I would be more inclined to take him in redraft and on underdog, like you mentioned, but I think this injury benefits Camara the most, right? Hmm. Camara with Michael Thomas out of the lineup last year was just absolutely incredible in all facets. Average 30 0.89 PPR points per game. He averaged seven receptions compared to five with Michael Thomas in the lineup, 8.62 targets without Michael Thomas, 70 receiving yards, more rushing yards, more touchdowns. So with no Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara is, he solidified as a top four pick in my opinion now. You're going to get five weeks of elite production out of Alvin Kamara. But speaking about the other ancillary guys in that Saints offense, I mean... I, I obviously know that Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway, they signed Chris Hogan, Troutman, you know, they're going to see more opportunity, but I think those guys are only valuable if Winston starts. So right now I'm staying away at their elevated ADPs. Like if you have to tra- take Traquan Smith in the 11th round, just no thank you. Absolutely not. You're just paying a premium for Traquan Smith right now when he was being drafted in the 16th, 17th round a couple weeks ago. And then obviously the uncertainty at quarterback makes it even worse for him, especially if Taysom starts. So staying away from pretty much every other Saints skill position player in best ball right now. I personally don't mind Traquan, especially with the way that these drafts have shifted towards being so wide receiver heavy and the position dries up so much quicker. I think that, you know, Traquan Smith is in a tier now uh, when with a boosted target projection for at least the first six weeks of the season that he is viable to take, although I don't necessarily see myself taking him that much because I have a lot of exposure to him late. So I don't really need the 11th, 12th round exposure when I have so much in the 16th. But Marquez Callaway seems to sort of have gotten forgotten in, in this equation. And you know, he, his ADP remains late 17th, 18th round. I think he's the best value here. And uh, I'm going to maintain my position that I have absolutely no interest in Adam Troutman. So yeah, I have no interest in Troutman, hardly zero interest in Trey way at his elevated ADP and, and Callaway is fine. If you're getting them in the 17th, 18th round in best ball. I mean, this offense is just going to funnel through Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill if Hill starts. And I personally am projecting Taysom Hill to be the day one starter right now. I mean, I think the the writing has been on the wall for that. But I I know some people are still expecting Winston, a former number one overall pick to win that job. I just believe Taysom is the guy and we we know what's going to happen if Taysom is the quarterback. Indeed we do. 
Let's talk about some of the other injuries that we have to monitor at the start of training camp. Devontae Parker will be starting camp on the PUP list. Kind of a tough scene after we highlighted him as one of the top values on our podcast last week. Preston Williams, another Dolphins receiver, will join him on the pup list to start. Do you think that that really provides an early edge for the new additions at wide receiver like Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell? Or, or do you still believe, like we discussed last week, that Devontae Parker should remain solidified as the wide receiver one in Miami? Yeah, I, I still believe that Devontae Parker is the wide receiver one there. Um, obviously, missing any part of camp is bad, especially when you have Tua, who you know, you're trying to get chemistry with after the debacle of an offseason 2020 was for rookies. So, you know, you're losing some valuable reps there, Devontae Parker is, with Tua, but I still think he's going to be a major part of the offense, and Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, I mean, I I think it's important for those guys who weren't with Tua last Mm -hmm. year at all to get the reps in as well as the top two guys, And, and Parker obviously had reps with Tua last year, so I don't really think it's too serious, and I don't think it provides that much of an edge for for Fuller and Waddle. Yep, I I agree with that. I I haven't been in a draft uh, since this news broke. I'm hoping that it uh, provides a bit of a Devontae Parker value because I will still be buying Mm -hmm. personally. Another player that started camp on the PUP list is Curtis Samuel, who began missing practices due to a minor injury in June. And I I think that this is quietly impactful with uh, the Washington football team adding Diami Brown in the third round. They recently extended your boy Logan Thomas. And with Terry McLaurin there being the clear-cut target hog, Curtis Samuel is missing out on some very valuable time to gain chemistry with Fitzmagic and Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I, I think that Curtis Samuel's role is solidified, though, no matter if he misses parts of camp or not. They gave him $34.5 million. Like, he's going to have a featured role in that Washington offense. And I do think Diami Brown already has a role too. I think he's going to be in three wide receiver sets. Their top three wide receivers are solidified in Terry, Curtis, and Diami Brown. Uh, If Curtis is set to miss some of the regular season, which I don't think he is at this point, then these guys would get a little bit of a boost. But as it stands right now, I I think all of these guys' roles are set in stone and I don't think Curtis being injured impacts them too much that's fair Justin Jackson not dealing with an injury but he has been put on the COVID list he was sort of in a battle with Joshua Kelly I think uh, to be the Chargers running back two behind Austin Eckler you know Joshua Kelly is reportedly looking really good so far and I think with Justin Jackson due to miss a, a minimum of what 10 days for quarantine this is just a great opportunity for kelly to solidify himself as the running back two behind eckler and that is a valuable role as we saw last year kalen balage was in that role and was quite successful and was viable in fantasy joshua kelly you know entering his second year hopefully improving um could be a value and and he's essentially free in drafts right now yes i i do agree that he could be a value but i think your point about last season won't translate to this season because it is a new coaching staff. Obviously, Anthony Lynn was the guy last year. He's out. They brought in Brandon Staley to be their head coach. So I personally just think that Eckler is going to be the workhorse now. I think he's going 
to get the run, obviously, in the in the passing games and in, on the early down work. I mean, he's just clear cut 100 times more talented than Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree. But I, I will say Kelly is worth a speculative shot. You know, he's one of the cheapest handcuffs in fantasy football. I think Justin Jackson will probably end up being cut. Um, mm-hmm. They drafted Larry Roundtree in the sixth round, who obviously was selected by the new coaching staff. But Roundtree and Joshua Kelly are both day three picks with limited upside, I think. So in my opinion, it's Eckler's job. I think he's going to be a complete workhorse with a elite pass catching upside in that offense I, I i'm just very high in eckler but i mean I, I guess it's worth a shot on one of these scrubs if you want to take him as like your rb5 or something yeah i love the value on kelly right now i've been drafting him quite a bit as a final round pick lately i mean i i agree that eckler is clear cut the most talented i mean it's not even a debate but i, I just don't know if he's suddenly gonna start getting used in a role where he's getting you know 15 plus carries on the ground in addition to his receiving work so I I don't know I think that Kelly could see some run at the goal line I think Kelly could see you know between 8 to 12 13 14 attempts per game on the ground depending on how run heavy this team is Um, so so Kelly's a player that I'm taking speculative shots on right now a couple of players though we, we have good injury news to report Odell Beckham Fully healthy for camp, Joe Burrow, Cortland Sutton, Marlon Mack, uh, among the list of players who have come back in, avoiding the pup list. Do, do any of these players stand out as any of the surprising to you uh, in terms of the outlook and, and the expectations? No, I, I don't think any of these guys are like really surprising. Um, you know, Odell tore his ACL early in the season, so did Sutton. So I think it was expected those guys would be ready to go for this year. Joe Burrow was kind of later in the season, uh, which kind of put a little bit of, you know, speculation on whether he would be ready or not for week one, but it looks like he is. So I'm still fine with Joe Burrow this year. I mean, Marlon Mack coming back from a torn Achilles, they said, you know, he's ready to go fully healthy. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of role he has in that Colts offense behind uh, JT, because last year, you know, when both were healthy, they were essentially splitting carries. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that's going to happen again in 2021. I think JT showed enough towards the end of last season over his last seven games that he should be the guy getting a majority of touches in that backfield. But with Marlon Mack healthy, I think he should see more touches than people are expecting. I do too. I mean, Marlon Mack is forgotten, but he he's a pretty good running back. You know, he he's he's not good a in that system. He he was really good yeah. in that system. Went over a thousand yards in 2019, I believe. So he knows the system. Frank Reich likes him. JT even likes them. They're going to have a really good running back core in Indy with JT, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines as the pass catching guy who is pretty good too. So should should be interesting to see how that plays out. And maybe JT isn't, you know, as valuable as we might hope that he mm. would be. Yeah. And I, I think the same could be said about Naheem Hines. I mean, you know, it's one thing when he was really the only other running back there as a complimentary piece to Jonathan Taylor, but Marlon Mack, I think, you know, I don't know, he, he's going to have a role in this offense. So I don't know if Naheem Hines in the 11th makes too much sense, especially if you can get Marlon Mack with a final round pick. I think that I like that value over Hines in, in the mid rounds at this point. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that, but I, I think I would disagree, especially on full PPR sites or 
in redraft, you know, in your full PPR leagues. I think Hines' role is solidified in that Colts offense as the pass catching back. Marlon Mack really hasn't been used in that way. Obviously, JT can catch passes, but I still think the Colts coaching staff wants Hines out there for, you know, those third and longs or those clear cut passing situations. Mm -hmm. And I I would still expect him to see a good amount of targets. And he has the talent to hit his ceiling you know, at least two or three weeks over the course of a 17 game season. So I still don't mind Hines as, you know, a 12th, 13th round pick. His ADP has fallen over the last month or so. Don't don't mind Hines at all. And I, I don't think Mac really impacts Hines too much. I think he impacts JT more. Let's uh let's check in on some of the rookie quarterbacks and see what we've been hearing there. Starting off with Chicago and Justin Fields, who Matt Nagy has described as impressive at the start of camp. Yeah, I mean, Matt Nagy's a certified donkey. Mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there. I mean, Absolutely. Justin Fields should be the clear-cut week one starter. Who knows if he will, if he you know, really impresses uh, over the next month or so, especially in the preseason games. I think there is a chance that we could see him start right out of the gate. But if he doesn't, I only expect Andy Dalton to start max three games. Like he's out. I, I think yeah. he gets three games. They go one and two. You know, he he gets his revenge game against the Bengals early in the season, like week two, I think. Don't have their schedule up. But <laughs> this is Justin Fields' team. Like you don't trade up for a quarterback in the first round to bench him for Andy Dalton, a career bum. Justin Fields, I think, is still one of the the best quarterback picks in best ball right now. He's one of my highest-owned quarterbacks across drafters and underdog. So I'm high on Fields, been high on him since, like, February, so... Yeah, I think that Fields will absolutely start sooner rather than later, and I'm starting to wonder if that's the the case with Trey Lance as well, who did sign his rookie contract on Wednesday, but Kyle Shanahan has described Jimmy G as the unquestioned starter right now. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that was just, you know, sort of a comment to put the pressure on Trey Lance to hurry up and get back, sign his deal, get in camp, get working. I, I feel like that is probably what's going on here? I mean, a few months ago, Kyle Shanahan wouldn't even say if Jimmy Garoppolo was alive. And and now he's the unquestioned starter. I don't buy that. Honestly, we just talked about it with Fields in, in terms of trading up. The Niners traded, what, three first round picks to get up to number three and draft Trey Lance to be the future of their franchise. So I think we will see the transition from Jimmy G to Trey Lance sometime this season. But Jimmy G is 24 and 9 as the Niners quarterback. Obviously, he's been, you know, hurt a lot in his Niners tenure. You know, durability has always been a question mark with Jimmy G. But when he's out there, the Niners win games. And whether that be, you know, a function of them having an elite defense, which they're getting a lot of guys back this year. And I would say that Jimmy G is probably the better quarterback right now. I mean, Trey Lance is a guy that played in only 19 games in college at South Dakota State or wherever he went not even in a power five conference like you know justin fields who went to ohio state you know they're in the big 10 or big 12 or whatever trevor lawrence played at clemson which is in the acc like those are power five conferences trey lance played in the fbs my guy like come on (laughs) like jimmy g's the guy right now i do think trey lance has a higher ceiling just in terms of like career potential outlook but jimmy g's the guy at least for the first like five weeks 
on that, and then we'll we'll have to reevaluate then. In terms of fantasy, do you think that Jimmy G is draftable? No, I don't think Jimmy G is draftable. Not because of Trey Lance, just because he hasn't been good in fantasy with the mm-hmm. Niners. This has been a run first team with Jimmy G at the helm, and he's hit his ceiling here and there. Like he had that one game against the Saints where I think he had like thirty or thirty five points. But that's like one out of 27 games, you know, or one out of 35 games that he's played. I'm not drafting Jimmy G just for those reasons. And then obviously we think he's going to get benched. And then if we're just talking about Trey Lance, I mean, Trey Lance should be behind both fields and Trevor Lawrence in terms of ADP, but he's not. Trey Lance is one of the most overdrafted players in fantasy right now. Yes, yes. I'll say that. There is absolutely no reason that he should be going ahead of Lawrence Fields, like you said, but he shouldn't be going ahead of Matt Ryan, Tua, or Kirk Cousins either, all all the next few quarterbacks in ADP. I I could definitely get on board with that just because with the guys going around him, you're going to get 15 to 17 games guaranteed, you know, barring injury. With Trey Lance... You might be lucky to get eight. Absolutely. Obviously, we can project Trey Lance's ceiling all we want, and I think his ceiling is high. But if he's not going to be out on the field, like if Jimmy G comes out and is winning them games, they're not going to switch to Trey Lance. That's just a fact. So I think Trey Lance should at least be drafted behind his rookie counterparts in Fields and and Trevor Lawrence, which he's not right now in in best ball. So I've definitely drafted a lot of Trey Lance, but as my QB2, never as my QB1. And uh, I'm starting starting to to ease down a bit on on the Trey Lance uh, hype. We don't we don't really have too much uh, Trevor Lawrence news to talk about. I mean, it's quiet, but he's Trevor Lawrence is, is the goat. So yeah. I'll just throw it out there. I mean, <laughs> he's he's going to come out. They have a, a lot of talent surrounding Trevor Lawrence. He's being drafted as the quarterback 15 on underdog. I fully expect him to finish as a QB one. He, he's yep, he, he's going to beat his that. ADP. And he For has sure. rushing upside too. Absolutely. I love the Jags offense right now. Zach Wilson is holding out. He he remains the last quarterback who hasn't signed his deal. He has not come to Jets camp at this point. And are you concerned that this is going to last into the regular season? I mean, we, we mentioned the Texans as a poverty franchise, and, and I think there's two or three. And the Jets are another poverty franchise, okay? Mm-hmm. How do you not sign your second overall pick? You've had over offset language, over, months. over some small bullshit. You've had months to sign this man, get him ready to come in and ball out at training camp, get the hype videos rolling out on Twitter, get everybody yep. excited. And he's not there. He, he's he's not even signed. Like he's not holding out. He's just not signed. How do you not sign this man? That, that just makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, give this man the money that he wants. If you're drafting him at second overall, that means you're saying he is going to be a better quarterback than the guys drafted behind him, and you're expecting him to hit. Yep. Why are you not giving him the money that he should be getting as a second overall pick or the language or, or whatever is wrong with the contract? Like, get it, get it figured out, New York. Like, yeah. What are you doing? They probably will, though. Like they're they're gonna sign them within the next week for sure. They have to. They have they have no leverage. They didn't keep Sam Darnold. You know, if they had ended up, you know, keeping Sam Darnold, then maybe there was some leverage. You know, they they could have, you know, tried to play hardball with him, but they have nothing. They have James Morgan and Mike White. 
as their other two quarterbacks. Like this is just abysmal. And the longer it takes them to get in there, I think the worse it's going to be for a Jets team that has a lot of new faces, a lot of key pieces that weren't there last year. They need to get Wilson in there as soon as possible, running with the first team ASAP. ASAP. They are absolutely bugging. (laughs) Like it's a rookie quarterback coming into his first training camp and you don't even have him signed yet. Like what are you doing, New York? What yeah. are you doing? Oh my God! Just you know, there there's a lot of talk on Twitter about if us normal people are smarter than like some of the GMs and stuff, and I truly believe that that some of us are. Like, yeah. like some of like, these bro, GMs are just check. some of these it's GMs are just just I don't even I don't even want to say it. I'll get canceled. <laughs> you can imagine what I was what I would say. You know, like there's some interesting, you know, other reports coming out of Jets camp, like Michael Carter being the running back one day one starting at, you know, with the first team offense, three wide sets, Corey Davis, Keelan Cole and Crowder are solidified, you know, despite reports about Elijah Moore being super explosive in the first part of camp. He is not running with the ones right now. Neither is Denzel Mims after struggling this offseason. But to be honest, none of the shit matters until Zach Wilson gets there. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I said, James Morgan and Mike White ain't doing nothing. So so until until Wilson is there, I I just really have nothing to say about the Jets uh, in general as a franchise that they're bugging. Get this figured out. Yeah, no, they are. They are tweaking. (laughs) All right. Got two more stories that I want to touch on before we get out of here. And, And these ones just made me laugh when I saw the headlines. The first is about your boy. Chase Edmonds, who reportedly has both bulked up and slimmed down. And I just, I want to ask you what that means. How, how do you do that? How do you do both? Dude, have you ever been to the gym? A couple of years ago, it's, I think it's I went bulking. once or twice. It's, it's, it's literally called bulking. What? <laughs> <laughs> so essentially mm-hmm. bulking is, you know, you're losing fat, but gaining muscle. Mm-hmm. So that's this headline is he gained muscle, but lost fat body fat so his body fat or bmi is is lower than what it was in previous years so he he's bigger but he's less fat Mm. so he's reportedly (laughs) at 205 right now which is a little bit below what his listed playing weight is um usually we prefer running backs to slim down right like bulking up is like something that the nfl and beat reporters like report is a good thing but it tends not to be you know the we need the agility we need the speed especially for a player like chase Edmonds. you know i I don't know if i like that he's uh bulking as you put it but he's still going to be that that you know speed back though right like just just because he's gaining more muscle i don't think that's really gonna gonna affect him that much I, i think he's just getting ready to be the three down back that he was meant to be in the nfl he's getting ready to run straight up the middle and get yeah. three yards, okay? <laughs> okay, he's he's getting ready to do that, and I, I respect him for that. So shout-out to Chase Edmonds, my boy. Love him. Yeah, shout-out to Chase Edmonds. Can't wait to see him get taken off the field for uh, James Conner every time they're in scoring position. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. The last story that we have to touch on, I don't even know how to bring this up. Kelvin Benjamin, who is a tight end now, not a wide receiver, as he was drafted to be in the first round of whatever year that was, was on the New York Giants. I didn't actually know that, but he got cut this morning, reportedly for stealing food from the Giants facility and bringing it home. 
What what do you make of this report? Do you actually believe that headline? That's a question. Of course. You're a journalism major. Let's be let's Absolutely. be re- let's be real here. Absolutely. That is 100% fake. Like <laughs> Not that, that There's happened. no shot you believe that. Yeah, that happened, no, bro. No, you're you're just lying. He was, you're he was taking he was taking some protein bars and bringing them home to give to his kids. You're trolling. <laughs> they give you free food, I think, right? <laughs> Yeah, but you but you can't take it, you know, out of out of the facility though. And this man was loading it up in his backpack and bringing it home for the family. Damn, boy was trying to get free groceries. Hell yeah! Like you know, this this ain't a Wegman's, my guy. <laughs> you know, I I think they probably cut him because he is ass at football. <laughs> I'll never forget. Yeah. I'll never forget um, the guy that they had on Monday Night Football, Booger. Right, Bugger. isn't it? Yeah, he's yep. like, Bugger he's McCullough. like, he's a Popeye's biscuit away from being out of the NFL, and he was right. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the most iconic quotes ever. <laughs> that that's a great quote, but you know, really, really, I brought this up just to ask, you know, have you ever stolen food in your life, Joey? Tell the truth. Should I self-incriminate? Might as well. I mean, I will if you do. Stolen food, like from work, from like a store. I mean, from work, one hundred percent. Like, you're out of your damn mind. I'm not paying for food. No shot. You know, I, I've worked at Pizza Shop. I've worked at TGI Fridays. Worked at McGregor's, which is, you know, a bar and grill here in Rochester. For everybody listening, those are some places that i worked. All restaurants. I'm, I'm never paying for food, first of all. So, like, even now, I still go to my old job that, that I quit. And I, I get some pizza and whatnot. And I don't pay for it. <laughs> Like it's 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 kind of bad. So if we're including that, then yes. Uh, but other than that, I don't think I've ever really stolen food. I mean, like I stole a water bottle in like third grade and got caught. That was a tough scene. Used to take lunches in high school sometimes, like the double lunches, because mm. motherfucker be hungry. <laughs> and then you know, I I admit, you know, I, I've dined and dashed like one time. Damn, really? It was at Denny's. I know that. Wow. How how old were you? Uh, you know, like 16, 17. All right, yeah, that's not too bad. I haven't. It was only one time. It was only one time, so don't cancel me. One stole a cake from Panera. A cake? They got cake a full at cake. Panera. They used to. I mean, it, it it's some years ago. Like I was in high school at the time, but this was like some Ocean's Eleven like planned out shit. We had like a squad of like five dudes in there, right? We had a distraction team, two dudes pretending to fight near the soda machine in the back, right? So the employees all you know got distracted. They looked there, and then me me and my homie we slide through. We grab the cake, and then we bring it back to the cafeteria and shared it with the people, like like fucking Robin Hood. <laughs> well, you see, Robin Hood takes from the people, so I don't know if that's a fair no, comparison. Robin. Hood takes from the rich and gives to the people. Well, not not the Robin Hood app. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Shout out to Robin Hood. I guess. But yes. Um, I mean, wow. That's a heroic story right there. I don't even know Thank Panera you. had cake. That shit was probably trash. It it was trash. It was more it was more about the story than uh the cake itself. The cake was kind of trash, not gonna lie. <laughs> Don't steal out there if you're listening to this. Yeah, the, that's, absolutely. That's teenager activities. I haven't, yeah. I haven't stolen anything in probably like eight years, seven years. Yeah, I mean, we we got a nice stealing story that we'll probably keep in the vault, though, Ben. Yeah, and and, and my cousin, but we'll keep that yeah. in the vault. Definitely don't need to to say that one on the pod. Um, <laughs> but I think that that is going to be it for episode 153 of the DFS Dose podcast. 
Make sure that you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey is at Joey Carrion DFS. New episodes of the podcast drop every Thursday on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and every other podcast platform on the internet. We'll be back on August 5th with episode 154. And remember, we are giving away $50 to one member of our Discord. This week, we're going to announce the winner on our Monday live stream. It is free to join the Discord. So hop in. Link is in the show notes to this podcast. To our listeners out there, just know that we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.